Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, November the 20th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the All-22 review from the game Sunday versus Buffalo and a bad, bad, disgraceful bit of news regarding Mark Walton, as well as Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns joining us for a special tanking slash rebuilding edition of Crossover Wednesday. All of that and more, but first, and let's fly through this because we have a busy show. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all the daily written content on your Miami Dolphins. That's another We start with the bad news today from Dolphins headquarters and running back Mark Walton, who was given a second chance, another chance at an NFL career in his hometown of Miami. Of course, a product of the U. He goes to the Bengals as a fourth round draft pick in 2018 and gets arrested three times in the offseason, basically between January and April when he got cut. And the Dolphins picked him up, and now he's in trouble once again. And this time, the news is very, very bleak and pretty disgraceful if it's true. Reports early on Tuesday morning came out saying a call was made to the home of Mark Walton, where he was alleged to have hit a woman, a pregnant woman no less, in the head and face several times, and that baby that she is carrying belongs to him. Bad, bad news for Mark Walton. I hope he gets the help he needs, and I hope that poor woman can recover from that obviously very traumatic event, and I hope that everything is put into the justice system and done properly by both he and her. Just bad, bad news. He is cut immediately after that, and good on the Dolphins for quickly reacting to this news. He has a second chance here. Any sign of negative publicity or poor character from Mark Walton was always going to lead to this. And as far as it goes on the field, I feel weird talking about on the field stuff when it comes to spousal abuse. I don't condone that in any way, obviously, but we have to approach it from an on-field perspective because this is a Miami Dolphins podcast. And I just don't think the Dolphins lose that much in Mark Walton. I think he was going to be in a competition next year as possibly the third back on the team. I think if he's your 1B or even your 2 back, you're probably not that good in the backfield. And I do believe my Miami will invest heavily at the running back position this offseason with a lot of those resources. We'll talk about that here in just one second. And as regards to the Kareem Hunt idea I've seen floated my way on Twitter, no, just no. They're not going to go down that road. They've made it pretty clear they don't really go after players that have domestic abuse in their past. Mark Walton had driving under the influence and different drug charges and things of that nature. So he had a second chance, but I don't think they'll do the same for a guy like Kareem Hunt, who has visible evidence of him hitting a lady. Just can't do that, especially with this Miami Dolphins team. I think they'll pass on guys like Kareem Hunt. Let's change the page here and get to some better news, although it wasn't quite pretty on the film all 22 let's talk about the Dolphins offense first look Ryan Fitzpatrick missed some plays in this game I think and he does that every single week but he's really playing some damn good quarterback this year probably the best of his career in my opinion he doesn't have the 400 yard games like he had with the Bucks last year but the stuff that he's dealing with and the circumstances he's overcome have been very impressive but he dealt with so many free rushers in this game that just got to him and he really had no chance I thought Buffalo did a fantastic job of changing the picture from their pre-snap look with overload blitz pressures and they changed it from pre 
pre-snap to post-snap, and it confused the Dolphins' offensive line, but mostly the running backs. And in pass protection for a running back, you have two things you have to absolutely adhere to. First, Inside pressure is first. That comes before anything else. You have to take away the most imminent route to the quarterback. They failed to do that a few times. And once you commit to a block, this is the second thing you have to do. Once you commit to a block, don't change your mind because the offensive linemen are changing their assignments based upon where your help comes from. And there was one instance where Kalen Balazs faked out Jesse Davis and that led to a pressure on the quarterback, which caused an incompletion on a route that was wide open to Albert Wilson. So those running backs in addition to really little creativity as runners, are getting killed in pass protection. Balage, Gaskin, and Laird were all equally bad in this area. They all need work, and frankly, I think that the Dolphins have to remake the running back room almost entirely next year with Patrick Laird as possibly the only holdover. Laird does do some fantastic things as a pass catcher. You go check out the video thread on my Twitter timeline, at Wingfield NFL. I show you a flat route from Patrick Laird where he anticipates a hit and breaks a tackle because of that. Very smooth and very fluid in and out of his breaks. And as he catches the football, he is going to be a dynamo in that role for this team, hopefully as the second or third back in the future. Let's stay on the theme of roster building here with regards to Alan Hearns. And don't be surprised next year if he, Williams, and Parker are your starters for the season to open it up in September. I'm actually really intrigued by Alan Hearns. And I want to go back and look at all of his pro tape from Dallas and Jacksonville to see where he excels best because as a Dolphin, he's doing well in the areas that I think coach on this staff are going to love for a wide receiver. He excels with sight adjustments. There's a play where the Bills drop into a zone and he has to find a hookup in that zone. He sets the thing down on a hitch route, but because the linebacker buzzing the flat to get the running back is in front of him, he just slides over one shuffle step and the ball's right on him. A real chemistry has developed with he and Ryan Fitzpatrick already. Another win from Hearns came from his ability to alter the stem based upon where the zone coverage is. And he looks back to the quarterback to make sure he's locating his quarterback and finding those soft spots. I really like the way he did that on a downfield strike on the one that he actually fumbled or dropped. However, you saw that. And then the first completion, that third and 15 conversion was a great job of selling a route that wasn't going to be ran and converting it into another. He takes a corner route and widens the defense and sets that thing down for a curl route at the sticks and converts. I think there's a good chance they stand pat at the wide receiver core in general this year. Maybe one mid-round draft pick, but I think they'll focus the resources they have this offseason, the many resources, on quarterback, offensive line, and running back first and foremost, and then probably tight end depth behind Mike Gesicki. Devontae Parker also very much shined in this game. He is becoming a professional route runner, and there was a, a play where he wasn't even involved in the pass concept. He had to create space. Go check it out on the Twitter thread. He does a good job of widening Tredavious White and getting him to commit to the takeoff route to free up Albert Wilson. He's been strong at the catch point, and he's fluid in and out of his breaks. The plague down the field on the sluggo where he put Tredavious White into retirement was really, really gorgeous route running and using the tendencies against the defense. It looks like Devontae Parker's rededication of himself in the offseason has really shown up and paid off for the big receiver. Durham Smythe only played a few snaps in this game, eight total, but he's really regressing and run blocking in my opinion, which was his forte. And on the offensive line, I don't really know what else to tell you guys here. You're going to have to replace probably all five of these guys. Maybe Jesse Davis can stay as a guard. And some of these guys like Dieter and Bame, I think are good options to be swing interior guys, although there might not be room for both of them on the roster next year. 
here. So we'll see how that goes. But the left side of the line is so, so bad. Double teams getting split. No playing when the defense shifts and gives you a different look in the snap. It's just, it's very bad up front right now for this Dolphins team. Jakeem Grant showed up for his suddenness and the way he gets in and out of his breaks. That's what I saw in training camp. We saw it more in this game. He is explosive and healthy as ever right now, it looks like. All in all, this was a very bad tape for the Dolphins offensive line, and that made things difficult on the quarterback and the receivers, but I'm very intrigued going forward to see Alan Hearns and Patrick Laird and see what they can give you in the next six games, an audition of six games for both those players to see their roles in 2020. The offensive tape was bad. The defensive tape was probably even worse. We'll do that next, as well as Crossover Wednesday here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, but nothing is worse than when you get into the bedroom and you're not ready to perform in the primetime big lights. BlueChew.com, that's blue chew like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, film session, on game day, on Sunday, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct right to you, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E. Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Some news coming across the wire mid-recording of the podcast, so I apologize for not getting to it off the top, but Adrian Colbert of the Seattle Seahawks practice squad, a safety from the U. He played 14 games in 2017 with the Niners, seven games last year with the Niners, and found his way onto the Seahawks practice squad this season, has been signed by your Miami Dolphins, and of course that means he has to be added to the active roster to come off somebody else's practice squad, and that makes me think that maybe Bobby McCain could be down for this week's game, maybe longer than that, because that shoulder injury was giving him problems all day Sunday. A new safety added to the roster in a secondary that's very, very thin. Colbert, a former seventh round draft pick in 2017. He's six foot two, 205, and he's coming home. Speaking of that defense, let's go ahead and talk about the all 22 here real quick from the game on Sunday. It was not good. There were more busts in this game than the last few games combined. And I start with an apology to a guy that was Miami's best player for the second straight week. He is cornerback Nick Needham. That touchdown I called him out for was not on him. He carried that route as high as he needed to, but Bobby McCain went and helped a route that was already bracketed on the other side of the field. It was just a miserable day for Bobby McCain. His worst of the season, he'll tell you that. And I think there's justification involved with that with a shoulder injury, but some mental mistakes as well. He'll get that stuff correct. But back here to Nick Needham, I am so impressed with this guy, man. After the brutal preseason he had to fight his way onto the roster, into the lineup, and now into a position where he's covering the opposition's best guy every single week is very impressive, and he's holding his own. More than that, actually. John Brown didn't even get off on Nick Needham. He did have nine for 152 and two scores, but that was when he did his work away from Needham. Pro Football Focus assigned that long touchdown to Nick, but I don't think it was on him. So that gives him seven. 
seven targets against Brown for just three catches and 40 yards. That's less than six yards per target. The footwork, the hustle, the inside hand jam. He got beat on a slant route earlier in the game. They came right back to it and Needham corrected the mistake, walled him off and ran the route for him and damn near got himself an interception. He is very very impressive. Devon Godshaw was next best in my opinion. Stack him up, toss him aside. I looked it up. This guy only did 18 bench press reps at the combine. That blows my mind. He is so country strong. He showed it on Sunday again. Christian Wilkins also very strong. Had a couple of wins, but I thought he was inconsistent for the most part. Avery Moss, the same story kind of. He does some really nice things within the scheme. He gets the idea of rush contain and two gapping and working off those blocks, but he's more of a depth guy going forward, I believe. Eric Rowe, had some more good reps on tight ends. He's doing good in that regard still. In fact, on the whole, I'm just so impressed with the way these guys play trail technique and how they plaster once the quarterback breaks the pocket. There are big plays that happen all over the NFL every single week on looks just like that. And this team does well to fend off those big plays once the quarterback breaks the pocket. Vince Beagle had a couple of nice edge sets and dents in this game. And I think Jerome Baker had his share of mistakes that led to some big plays, including the final touchdown to John Brown in this game. Go check out the video threads on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Broke down both the offensive and defensive showings for the Dolphins on Sunday as it was just not a good day for the defense. They got out-coached, out-prepared, and I think that provides an opportunity for them to rectify those errors Sunday and Cleveland. And with that, let's go ahead and get on to Cleveland and turn the page to week number 12. Man, we are flying through this season. It's almost Thanksgiving time. Let's go ahead and jump into Crossover Wednesday on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And joining me now here on the Locked On Podcast Network is one of my favorite hosts in the entire network. He hosts the Locked On Browns podcast. He is Jeff Lloyd. Jeff, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much, Travis. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we, we speak a lot. Um, you know, kind of both of us, when the schedules came out, we're looking forward to this one here. Um, there's certain things that, you know, we're going to get into here where, you know, what kind of, it's not just the game of, it's, it's the franchise, the organizations, you know, what each are going through. Uh, I'm looking forward to it and having a lot of fun with it. Um, I, I know what you put into this, and I love the fact that you're kind of like what uh, Pete Smith and myself, we try to do here. We try to cover every aspect of it. And, you know, like people, oh, well, you're talking draft here in September. Look, it's coming whether, you know, yep. whether you like it or not, it's coming. But you got to know every aspect and try to give your listeners and the people that follow you and show that you're there for them. And, you know, you, you know you have guys who are there for draft content, look, peeking in on free agency, Obviously, the current team, young players develop it. You just got to, you know, give it your all. You try to, you know, and we get this platform where we can do it daily. Try to have as much fun with it as you can and try to kill everybody as much content as you can. I was going to say the daily platform certainly encourages the comprehensive nature by which we both do this. And it, it yep. really makes it a lot of fun. And it, it allows me to go back to old content like from the Combine or from the Draft or from Free Agency and pull stuff from the past. And it's actually really beneficial because it kind of gives you the breadcrumbs leading up to what you have now. And I find a lot of joy in that. And I think that's a great spot to transition into our first topic here, Jeff. And you mentioned it. I do want to take this thing in a different direction. We heard Sean McDermott talk about this last week during Dolphins and Bills, how Miami's kind of in the infant stages that Buffalo was in when they started their rebuild under Sean McDermott. And now the Browns are really the pioneers of this new age type of strip it down rebuild. And they're in the advanced stages in a year that probably been disappointing for you guys, I'm very sure. But the decision to punt on the quarterback, the decision to go through analytics and all that stuff, I just want to get your feeling from a, a fan of a fellow team that went through this. What was your thought 
early on in the process when they went through the quarterbacks and didn't select Deshaun Watson, all that stuff. Just kind of walk us through the summary of those first couple of moments in the rebuild. Well, it was kind of actually funny there because in 17, look, you know, Miles Garrett won overall. Sure. Absolutely. No reason not to. But you still had that other pick and you could have gone a couple of avenues with it. Obviously, you know, the didn't go after Mahomes. The Deshaun Watson was there. They made the move. Let Houston come have the pick. But the question is, if you don't have enough confidence in the roster on a whole. So, look, you had Miles Garrett. Um, were you going to think as great of a player Miles Garrett was as a pass rusher, it was going to equal five wins right out the bat, six wins, even paired with the quarterback? Did you have everything else in place? And look, you know, for a lot of this, you know, the quarterback, you know, you're going to end up having, if it works out for you, it's going to cost you probably two or three positional players. So at least you wanted to get a better read on what you had going further, because you know, once you go heavy in on that first round quarterback, You've got them for five years, but then when it's time to start talking extension, you're losing people with it. So, you know, I did agree with it. And look, you know, as rough it is, is, and keep in mind, this franchise did kind of like Mitch Trubisky. So maybe they played that (laughs) hand pretty, pretty good. Um, But, you know, Hugh Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, oh, God, that would have been a tragic mess. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I was one of those guys that had a little bit about concerns of his arm. And one thing I kept saying is, well, well, why not Houston? It's perfect. It's, you know, eight games a year there in Houston. It's one in Jacksonville. It's one in Tennessee. It's one in Indianapolis. That's 11 out of 16 of the schedule right there. Granted, the arm looks absolutely fine. There's no issues there. But it was one slight concern I did have with him. Uh, I'm okay with the way they constructed it. And the thing is, is they went with kind of, they went with babies. Garrett was just a baby. Um, obviously, you know, Njoku was just a baby and raw and Jabril just raw. I was totally okay with the way they handled it because it's like the franchise quarterback. That's like the final initial piece. And you don't want the kid getting frustrated. You don't want him getting beat down because you don't have enough offensive line play or there's not enough skill players. Nobody's getting open. You want to make sure that when you bring that guy in, it is, you know, okay, we're putting all this pressure on you. You're in a really, really tough situation because we've lost for years. Now we need you to bail you out of this. But look, I've got almost everything else in place. So ease into it, son. Find your groove and let's go win some ball games. That's exactly right. Now, that's a fear that I actually maybe irrationally or rationally have this upcoming offseason because, as you know, Jeff, this offseason for the Dolphins is so crucial, especially at the quarterback position. And if they do miss out on Joe Burrow and Tua Tungavailoa, I don't want to take second helpings of Justin Herbert if I don't buy into him fully and just basically get this entire rebuild off on the wrong foot. So I'm with you in lockstep there. I do believe the Browns made the right choice in Baker Mayfield, even though he's had some struggles this year. I think that that's a little bit overblown. We're going to talk about that next, as well as the game on Sunday and much more on the rebuild of the Cleveland Browns here on the other side with Jeff Lloyd. But first, I want to tell you guys about a company called Away. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. And you guys know it's that time. Attention to all you big sports bettors, past, present, and future MyBookie players. 
During the week of Thanksgiving, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears and Lions game early in the morning or early in the afternoon if you're on the East Coast. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congratulations. You've got the extra holiday money in your pocket. And if you lose, you also win because my bookie will give you all your money right back to you. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. Do you find yourself wanting to bet sports but you have a lot of questions? Don't sweat that either. My bookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is if you join this Thanksgiving week, you still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign up offer. Just log on to mybookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code locked on and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and risk-free bet on Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get on the action with my bookie where you play, you win, you get paid. All right, we're back here in segment number three on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am joined by Jeff Lloyd of the Locked On Browns podcast. And Jeff, things probably aren't going the way that Browns fans hoped this year. They do have a very manageable schedule down the stretch, including Sunday with Miami. And perhaps they're going to get right at the hot at the right time. But it brings me into where I think the Browns went wrong in this whole thing. And, f- and please feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong in this. But the coaching staff. What do you make with Freddie Kitchens and where he is now and the decision in the offseason to go forward with him as the guy in charge of this really exciting roster? It was, I understand why they did it. And for me, it was actually the Carolina game last year. Um, Freddie had talked during the week and he was, you know, building up Luke Keekly. And it was like, well, you know, Baker better be ready to go because if he misses a call at the line, Luke Keekly is going to be there to make it for him. He had this counterplay in with uh, Jarvis Landry. Uh, you know, one led to an early touchdown. One led to a, you know, like almost a 50-yard run late in the game, which sealed the game later on the Nick Chubb touchdown run. And for me and for Pete, who does all the shows with me, we were like, well, why, why not Freddie? It seems like you got a good thing going here. You didn't want to disturb Baker. And the other thing was is you, know, you were going to now deal with some coaching candidates who if you called them a year ago, they would have been like, nah, I ain't coming to the interview. I got no interest in being the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. So it was kind of, you know, like, a, well, you know, you like us now because maybe we're sort of prettier. The braces are off. We got our hair straightened type of thing. <laughs> but in the same respect, I mean, you know, Freddie's had some gaffes. I mean, there's no denying what he's looked like as a rookie head coach. Um, simple things. Uh, winning, the, winning the opening coin to us. We'll take the ball. Uh, n- no, nobody takes the ball, Freddie. Why are we taking the ball? <laughs> and then you go to the Seattle game where it was a minute and change left. You're inside the 10-yard line. You've been going drive for drive with Russell Wilson. You literally you start calling timeouts. Uh, you're throwing the ball. It leads to an interception. And then you hear him afterwards. Well, my theory was we were going to score. Then we were going to su- shut down Russell Wilson, get the ball back, and hopefully we can get a field goal before half. Everybody else in the league has one blueprint for playing the Seattle Seahawks. Keep the offense off the field, because if you give Russell Wilson enough opportunities to beat you, guess what? He's going to do it. He's going to beat you. <laughs> exactly. And that was, I mean, he's starting to phase himself out of that stuff. The challenges, the arguing with officials, Baker's literally sitting there staring at him 
Freddie's got the mic pulled to the side so he can yell at a line judge while Baker's waiting for a call. It's it's not been great thus far. Did he manage it perfectly over the summer? No. Odell didn't take a rep in a preseason game. Neither did Jarvis Landry. Um, I, I know it sounds soft in saying it, but you need some live game. You need live game reps. And did that hurt him probably a little bit? Yeah. Are things looking better over the past four games? The only interception Baker threw was that stupid shovel pass against New England, which I don't know why you're even calling a play like that in the terrible weather that was going on that day up there. But it's starting to try to even itself out. I'm still not sure. I mean, it's still 50-50 on whether or not Freddie is going to be here and get a year two of this because – you know, even though they said, well, you know, we're not totally going for it. We're not totally in it this year. You look at the acquisitions they made, it kind of says otherwise. Um, does eight and eight or nine or seven or possibly 10 and six, if they play a playoff game, Freddie Kitchens has got a shot. If they don't, all bets are off. And I think I can offer you a really good parallel in regards to the early season struggles and kind of the preseason nature of September and even into October for so many teams because this Dolphins team, I was there for training camp, Jeff. They beat the crap out of each other with not Oklahoma drills, but they were hitting every single day and they had guys playing significant reps in the preseason too, but then they get to the eve of the season and they cut 25% of the roster and overturn it and we saw the Dolphins play the worst four-game stretch in NFL history, no arguing that, and now they come back off the bye guys are getting more acclimated and they're playing better like you mentioned so maybe there is something to that and I want to ask you another question that kind of goes back to my irrational fears as a Dolphins fan which you guys know plenty about that in Cleveland you're one of the few teams that has had it worse than us over the last couple of decades so and I, I really want to preface this by just kind of managing expectations for when this team does get things back on the right track because I think the Niners under Kyle Shanahan last year are a great example of a team that had these expectations, it didn't go well, and I think people could have been a year early on them, and I wonder if that's the exact same case for the Browns next season and maybe the Dolphins in 2021 or 2022, you know, when this rebuild gets fully booted up, do you think the Browns could come back next year and be the team everybody expected? Like, what are the expectations next year if this team kind of fades out around 8-8 eight and eight or so? Uh, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you look at the main players who are you know, the focus of what is this roster now and what should be more established when you get to 2020. Baker Mayfield, never smelled January football. Uh, Nick Chubb, never smelled January football. Odell Beckham, one game. Didn't go very well. Jarvis Landry, <laughs> one game. He played well. It didn't go very well. Miles Garrett, nope. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, not much success in that spot. Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, nope, nope. Joe Schobert, nope, nope. So, you know, a lot was, you know, and there is the theory of they'll figure it out. But, you know, you go back and you look at a lot of teams over NFL history, it wasn't figured out. Um, is, you know, where people say, oh, well, maybe if they went the veteran head coach route, sure. But, you know, that's fantastic. It's November. It's almost Thanksgiving. We can't talk about what ifs anymore. Um, so they're starting to put it together, playing a little bit better. Um, Odell, the weirdest thing is, is they really were, you know, they were using him more like they've used Jarvis. Well, then what did you get Odell for? I mean, and you saw it, you know, on the first drive where they scored, you know, on Thursday night, it was like, well, there it is. That's what we've been waiting for. Odell can get you 40 at a pop. Thank you. Okay, good. We did this. 
Um, so, you know, and it's also, it's, you know, guys playing together, but you know, it, we're guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. Maybe we just assume the success was going to come when you look at it at its surface and its face. It's, it wasn't a lot of players who had had or been part of a ton of success. But there was just so many talented pieces on that roster. It was hard to envision even a bad coaching staff or whatever it might be not getting the most out of it. He is Jeff Lloyd, Locked On Browns podcast here on Crossover Wednesday. Jeff, can we do this real quick? I want to talk about Sunday's game. I have three topics for you here I want to ask you about. First, Miles Garrett, how long is that suspension going to be? And what does he have to do to really earn restitution from Browns fans? He's fine with Browns fans. He really is. And this is the thing is, and this is what kind of hurts about this. And look, I'm all for calling out a guy. Um, Antonio Callaway, we had, uh, we had had our run-ins with him for the time he was here. And the only thing we're guilty of is maybe believing him a little bit during last season. Miles yeah. um, Garrett, you, you, Travis, this guy got a puppy a week later, rents out a dog park, invites as many fans that want to come. They all show up. Here he is with his dog. They're all there with his dogs. He's taking pictures. He's hanging out. Uh, the season, uh, the series finale of Game of Thrones, he rents this place out, tells all the fans, come on down, let's all watch it together. So to see him get buried in such a bad light, and look, there's no way around it. Yep. You can't do it. You can't hit somebody with a helmet. Uh, there's just no way. There's no way you're going to have to pay a suspension. You, you know, you, Obviously, you're going to lose money. There's, it's completely inexcusable, but where he's getting put into like Vontez perfect type of person, he's just not that guy. We know that. Um, and it's always one of those, like, remember you always had like everybody hung out and you had that one guy who was really big, but maybe he was like the sweetest dude. You know, the girls yeah. love the bear hugs from him and you know, he always had his back. And then like every now and then one of your other buddies, he'd be like, Man, if he ever snapped, that'd be really, really <laughs> scary. We saw that incident with Miles Garrett. We we did see him snap, and I don't I don't think one moment defines anybody. But you know, you got to pay the price. That's my that's my belief on it. But it's good to know that he's probably going to be back into his regular stance as a, as a good person, which I believe he is. But that's going to do it for us on Crossover Wednesday. He is Jeff Lloyd, the host of the Lockdown Browns podcast. Jeff, thank you so much for doing this. We're going to come back on tomorrow's podcast and get into the preview edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, taking a look at that Browns-Dolphins matchup, more of the game stuff. I wanted to talk to Jeff today about rebuilding and the future of the franchise, but as for today's Crossover Wednesday edition... That is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like Locked On Browns for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.